This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Alert. There has been a murder. A murder, you say? Yes. <gasps> a murder. Murder. Such a good episode. One of the best, one of the best office episodes of all time. A yes. murder. Yes, in fact, there has been a murder. A murder on the Orient Express. Mm. In, in, a, in a year full of minions and uh, <laughs> other things, it feels great to step back and to be talking about a movie that's not like that. So I'm excited. Did you not to stay for the post credit scene when the minions show up? <laughs> oh, yeah. Up? No, I did not. Oh, I, man, it, you're really missing out. Yeah, Judy Dench and the Minions. I'm just being a great <laughs> They're just combo. hopping around that train. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Gosh. It's pretty I mean, awesome. I'll have to go back and, awesome. uh, and look at that. But Made Brian, it totally worth taking my four-year-old to see this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I promise it's worth it. Just keep waiting. Um, Brian is here with me tonight. What's up, man? Hey, man. Um, Richard will be joining us for our review of Murder on the Orient Express a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had some things to take care of, but uh, we're excited to have him join uh, for a week, week of recommends and the review. But until then, Brian, mm. we yeah, got some. You know what's yeah. you know what's happening. <laughs> you know Richard's what's not coming. here. You know what's coming. Well, Richard actually was available, but he was like, he found out what we were covering in movie news, and he's like, "I'm good. Just call me when you uh, <laughs> when the review." So that's what's happening. No, he's just but, sitting um, at home reading right now. Right, just as just not allowed. We're not allowed on the. On the show. We really lucked out uh, tonight. We actually talked a few weeks ago about something similar to this. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some big, big Star Wars news to discuss with Brian and I before we talk of uh, Kenneth Branagh's newest film, Murder on the Orient Express. And this is big. This is really big. Uh, we had rumored uh, talking about it. Uh, we talked about the rumors of it. And Kathleen Kennedy hinted at it uh, a few weeks ago, which we also discussed. Uh, the fact that Star Wars will continue past Episode Nine. Uh, it was all speculation. There were, mm-hmm. um, I guess, uh, Kathleen Kennedy was probably the biggest confirmation or the closest thing we had to confirming that it indeed was going to extend into Episode 10, 11, 12, and beyond. And so a few weeks ago we got that confirmation, but now we have officially, via StarWars.com, an official press release announcing that, in fact, Star Wars will continue. And not only will it continue, but it will continue under the direction of Mr. Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson, of course, of The Last Jedi fame, the director of the upcoming Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. I only know him from The Brothers Bloom. So I'm oh. not familiar with any of his other work. Uh, have you seen Brick? That's the only no. thing. No. Okay. <laughs> um, Ryan Johnson 
is somebody that we had talked about when Star Wars was announced to the fact that they were making a new trilogy. Mm-hmm. He was on our dream list. He was like top five. Who who would we want to be involved with this? Uh, he mm-hmm. was in the top five, but we, we didn't right. think it was a possibility because he is super secretive. He he does his own projects. He writes his own projects. He conceives his own stuff. He directs his own stuff. Right. And uh, we didn't think that uh, he would be super into being in the studio system, let alone being right. something as controlled as Star Wars. We were wrong. Uh, they brought him <laughs> on board. They gave him all control pretty much uh, for the most part of The Last Jedi and to rave reviews. Uh, the people at Lucasfilm, including Miss Kennedy, have said that Johnson has done everything that they've wanted him to do. He's been a dream to work with. They love the film, and they can't get enough Ryan Johnson. They're in the, the Ryan Johnson business right now. And mm-hmm. so having said that, Ryan Johnson will helm an all-new Star Wars trilogy for Star Wars headline. Ryan Johnson, writer-director of The Last Jedi, to create all-new Star Wars trilogy. For Ryan Johnson, The Last Jedi is just the beginning of his journey to, of his journey to a galaxy far, far away. Lucasfilm is excited to announce that Johnson, Johnson will create a brand-new Star Wars trilogy, the first of which he is set to write and direct with longtime collaborator Ram Bergman on board to produce the film. That's a great name, by the way. Ram Bergman. Ram Bergman. Like That's that. why I haven't broken into Hollywood. I don't. I need a name <laughs> as good as that one because that is solid. Yeah. Um, and they go on to say, as writer director of the Last Jedi, Johnson conceived and realized a powerful film of which Lucasfilm and Disney are immensely proud. In shepherding this new trilogy, which is separate from the episodic Skywalker saga, Johnson will introduce new characters from a corner of the galaxy that Star Wars lore has never been explored. And we have a quote from Kathleen Kennedy that says, quote, We all loved working with, with Ryan on The Last Jedi. He's a creative force, and watching him craft The Last Jedi from start to finish was one of the greatest joys of my career. Ryan will do amazing things with the blank canvas of this new trilogy. And then we have another quote from Ryan Johnson that said, We had the time of our lives collaborating with Lucasfilm and Disney on The Last Jedi. Star Wars is the greatest modern mythology, and we feel very lucky to have contributed to it. We can't wait to continue with this new series of film. The Last Jedi is set to open this December, December 15, 2017. No dates have been secured for the upcoming trilogy. So there you have it. Ryan Johnson on board. So what's going to happen now is The Last Jedi is going to come out, and then J.J. Uh, Abrams will produce Episode Nine. And direct episode nine, and I'm sure Ryan Johnson will be involved in that. Ryan Johnson will, Mm -hmm. I assume, take some kind of a break, maybe a couple of weeks. I'm I'm sure he's going to get started very soon on this new trilogy, at least writing and conceiving of it, and uh, from then on, a new trilogy. So we all we know right now, Brian, is that he's going to conceive and be kind of the creative head of this new trilogy, and he's going to write and direct the first film, Mm -hmm. episode ten, and then from there on, it's all up in the air. So, what are your thoughts? I'm so stoked, man. I mean, we knew you said, and you're right, we knew something was coming um, because I think for the foreseeable future, we can all assume that there's going to be a Star Wars movie every year uh, or, or, you know, every 18 months anyway, close enough to it. Um, I've been really interested to see what the next move was going to be. I'm thrilled to see the run without having seen this film uh, that comes out in December. We're a month away, Kinto. you know, I don't, <laughs> I have, I just have no doubts that this is like the worst case scenario to me is that this movie will be a good Star Wars movie, right? I, you know, and, 
have said before, I I think we're much more likely to be debating whether or not this is the best Star Wars movie rather than is it, you know, is it good? Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm, I love Ryan Johnson. I think he is a, a brilliant filmmaker. I think he understands uh, this source material extremely well, probably even better than JJ. And I, I, I thought JJ handled it great as well. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm super, super enthused to have him in charge of the, of the next trilogy and the next chapter and whatever this is going to be. And to me, maybe the, beyond that, beyond, you know, his, uh, his involvement or his, his, uh, I don't know, his putting together the story and whatnot, and then directing the first one beyond that, I'm thrilled to hear that it's going to be something outside of the, the Skywalker lineage mm-hmm. and that we're going to get to go in a different direction because that's my favorite thing about Disney having the rights to these movies and you know all you know the next 10 20 30 years of Star Wars movies is that that's a wide 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 open universe and I think to this point they have kind of you know they've really kind of dipped their toes in that a bit with Rogue One more than any of the others but now once this trilogy is over and I love it so much. Now we could really go anywhere. You can go back in time to the old Republic days. Mm-hmm. You could do something that's just adjacent to what's happening with Skywalker and Han Solo and Princess Leia and whatnot. Uh, during that section, you could address between episodes three and four. It, anywhere you can go anywhere, and I I love that. And I'm I'm I can't wait to see what he's going to come up with. And Kent, we're getting a it's, it, we're getting a TV show as well. A, a oh, yeah. Star that Wars live action TV show, which is cool too. And I would assume. I don't know how complete control Ryan Johnson will have on that, but I would assume he's going to have some kind of uh, say in what takes place on that as well. Um, man, I'm 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 so enthused. I'm so enthusiastic about this. I can't wait to see what what he's going to do. I love Kathleen Kennedy. I think she is a genius and really truly understands what uh, she's you know what properties she's been left to to handle you know she really it's not just that she loves it it's not just that she respects it it's that she i think she gets um and understands what's best for that property and for all the movies that are to come and they're i to me they've done it's been a brilliant lead up to where we're at now and so uh, i can't wait i can't wait to hear what this new trilogy is going to be and and i'm i'm excited that for the you know for the foreseeable future that really we could probably stretch into 20 years if we really wanted to to project um we're going to be talking star wars every single year and that's awesome yeah the show only thing we know about it really is the fact that disney is planning on making this be one of the flagship temple shows for its upcoming streaming service that it'll be launching yeah so we're, we're assuming they're going to take the cbs model with Star Trek and the only place you're going to be able to get this show is on the Disney Star Wars, Marvel, whatever app that they have. And you'll be able to view it there. So it'll it probably won't be on ABC, NBC, anything like that. And they'll be able to control it and do it all yeah. there. Maybe release all episodes at once and let us, let us binge it, which I'm hoping for, but this is something that's been rumored for a long, long, long time. And they had been rumored to do a Star Wars live action show as far back as during the prequels and it never came to fruition. And I don't know about you, but this excites me almost as much as the new trilogy does just because you, 
you're mm-hmm. not limited to three three films. I mean, you can do ten seasons of this and really right. del- dive deep into uh, the Star Wars universe. Same, same. Can't wait, man. This is this is really good news to me. I I had some discussions with a couple of my friends who are big Star Wars fans um, of whether or not this. Whether or not we should be nervous about uh, oversaturation and too much Star Wars and whatnot, and and I think as I've said before, there will be a time when we say, okay, that's enough Star Wars for a while. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're anywhere close to that point yet. I think I think it's very likely that the standalone films, the Solos and the Kenobi's and whatnot, are going to settle into a place where they make somewhere between. Eight hundred million dollars and a billion dollars, and then these the trilogy films. Maybe I don't know that any of them are going to make what Force Awakens did because Force Awakens had the built-in factor of you know the weight that we'd had up to that point. But I don't think it's unreasonable to say that you could probably pencil in you know one point five billion or something for for these types of movies for the for the trilogy movies anyway. Um, and I I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon i think they've i think for one thing kathleen kennedy and lucasfilm and that that side of disney has kind of learned that maybe part of the problem with the marvel movies is that they're putting out three a year instead of one a year um and then you know the other thing is to everybody wants to compare the star wars release calendar to comic book movie fatigue which is a very real thing but no other studio has Star Wars, you know? And so I think part of comic book fatigue is not just that there's three Marvel movies a year, but that there's two or three DC movies a year and there's an X-Men or two movie a year. And so you've got all these things that are competing for that piece of your brain and that piece of your, you know, your wallet. And this is not the case because there's nothing else that any studio can do that compares at, at all to what Star Wars can do each and every time that it's out. So yeah, like at some point we'll get tired of this, but I don't, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't feel (laughs) like that's coming anytime soon. I don't think so either. Uh, the show that was rumored for a while was called star Wars underworld. Mm -hmm. And that was around the times of the prequels that they were conceiving that apparently they had two seasons worth of scripts for that. It was going to delve deeper into the life of emperor Palpatine it was going to have moments such as uh, Lando losing the Millennium Falcon on Solo, Han meeting Chewbacca, uh, scenes featuring Boba Fett and such. So they were going to originally give those those Rogue One type stories in that TV show. But when Lucasfilm uh, was purchased by Disney, they scrapped or put on hold the plans to make that series and indefinitely uh, waited to do their own live action series. And there was another one called Star Wars 1313. That was rumored for a long time and never mm-hmm. came to fruition at all. And I was wondering why they were going to end Star Wars Rebels because there's one more season of that. And I was like, what are, what's next? Why would you end that? Because that it's doing so well for them on TV. I mean, they have a legitimate TV show that people like. I didn't know why they would mm-hmm. end it. And uh, I guess this is the reason. They'll probably do, sure. um, do this or, or do a different cartoon series. Uh, you know, maybe a chopper cartoon series for kids or whatever, <laughs> yeah. or Sabine or whatever they end up doing. Uh, that's going to be cool. But man, more excited for this than, uh, than the movies. I hate to say that, but um, this could, the, the possibilities are honestly endless with the TV show. So really, really mm-hmm. cool. Um, what's wish list, Brian, for the new trilogy for directors. I know we got Ryan Johnson on board. Oh, Joss I haven't Whedon. even, 
That'd be fun. I, you know, I, I always will hold on to the hope that someday Spielberg will do one. I think that would be just so cool to kind of have that come full circle. I don't know that it will ever happen as long as George Lucas is still alive, but, uh, but that'd be a lot of fun. Um, man, I don't know. We're hitting, we've really hit a lot of the ones I, I could probably go back and Denny would be cool. Um, I think I would almost prefer to have Denny do a standalone because I think he yeah. could really have bring his truly his own vision to that. And he's such a force as a filmmaker that I would that might be one of the guys that Disney would kind of back off of and let him let him do what he wanted to do. But uh, yeah, I could go back when this when this whole deal was first announced right before the podcast even started. I wrote a blog post and I, I had five or six names written down of, of people that I'd like to see do it. I could probably go back and find that somewhere, but, but we've hit a lot of them. Ryan Johnson was one and JJ Abrams and, uh, and Spielberg. And I, th- I probably had Trank on that list at the time, which whew, glad we, we, uh, ducked that one. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, this is not going to, you know, the first of these movies doesn't, wouldn't come until at the earliest 2021, right? Cause episode nine comes out 2019 mm-hmm. and, and maybe even later. So there may be somebody who's putting out a movie next year who will be like, that's the guy, that's who we want to do one of these things. But, uh, maybe Taika. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah. Man. Possibilities Honestly, are possibilities yeah. are endless, and my mind is racing just thinking about what it could mm-hmm. be. But really, really exciting Star Wars news, and uh, I mean, it would not be a Brian and Kent segment without being the official <laughs> podcast of Star Wars right. for at least a few minutes. That's all right. right. Let's take a short, quick break here. Come back, welcome Richard, and talk midnight on the Orient Express. Boom. I mean, murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> Boom. Midnight Express was a different movie. All right, bye. Hey guys, it's Kent, your trusted host of Mad About Movies. And if you're hearing my voice at this time in the show, with this music under it, you know it's time for me to tell you again about our friends at Blue Apron. It's hard to believe that there are people that listen to the show that still haven't tried out Blue Apron. What do you have to lose? Yeah, you know Blue Apron, as that company Ken always talks about, but it's also the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. What you do is you go to blueapron.com, you pick out meals that interest you, they do all the rest. They send you the ingredients, it arrives at your door, ready to go. All you do is cook it. In fact, families that cook together, stay together. Are you looking for something to impress that first date? Why not try Blue Apron? Do you work way too much and you just don't have time to grocery shop? Why not try Blue Apron? There's a variety of new recipes each week. It's flexible. You can take a week off if you're going on vacation or something like that. And honestly, the food could not be better. So check out this week's menu and get $30 off your first order with free shipping. Yep, 30 bucks off by going to blueapron.com slash mad. Blueapron.com slash mad for $30 off. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. I honestly cannot imagine my busy schedule without Blue Apron. That's why Blue Apron is a better way to cook. And we are back and we are talking murder. On the Orient Express, uh, yes, the remake, and yes, the uh, book adaptation by Agatha Christie. And I guess we can start things off with our literature expert, Richard Barden. Uh, Richard, 
Tell us a little bit about this source material, this novel. Is it one you had read? And what was your kind of knowledge of this before uh, seeing the movie? Yeah, we. Uh, I I'm not a big uh, Christie head. Not uh, which is what we call it. they call themselves. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought you not, were. <laughs> no, uh, which is not that I don't care for it. I just don't have that much time. Um, but I know I know this book. I've read this. But this is the only book I've read um, of Agatha Christie's. Oh, okay. Uh, and I read it in high school. We read it in I think junior year of high school or something. Um, so I, it, you know, it's been quite some, I just celebrated her birthday this week, so I'm very aware of how long ago <laughs> that was. Uh, so, uh, but, but, you know, Perot's a, a beloved character, um, and maybe second only to, to Sherlock Holmes in terms of kind of the canon of, uh, maybe Marlowe of like the, the detective genre. Um, I was interested in this. I, I, I'd seen the original movie. I'd read the book. Uh, like it. Think it's cool. It's got the cool twist at the end. But I was like, I feel like everyone knew that twist. So I was curious, and we'll get to that spo- in spoilers, how they would address it. But uh, it was kind of, I was surprised that they they uh, kind of left it as, you know, there wasn't much of a twist on the twist. So, um, but it certainly, uh, certainly is, I like these kind of, I like these kind of mysteries. Um especially of kind of the English persuasion. They tend to do them very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I, uh, I, I, and I... And I love Brano. So I went into this with relatively high expectations. Um, I saw the kind of Rotten Tomatoes score and knew the buzz around it. So I knew it was like good, not great. But I love... I feel like uh, we end up defending Brano more than the critics do. Like, as he makes... He's a pretty good filmmaker. And he he takes things that have no business being good a lot and makes them mm-hmm. much better than they should be and uh no no uh no difference here i thought i thought this was a pretty pretty cool movie it's it's a movie you don't ever get to see anymore it it, it takes place on this planet um <laughs> good, good point yeah relatively minimal capes if they are they're more the, <laughs> they're still capes know. yeah but they're minimal yeah they're still capes but <laughs> it's, it's so it's just like for that kind of budget it's just sort of a joy to watch mm-hmm. something terrestrial with uh, that had a budget over a hundred dollars. So uh, yeah, so I I I had fun. Me and me and uh, all my eighty three year old friends this afternoon uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. So my mahjong my mahjong group and I went out for it. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. But what about you guys? Did you have any familiarity or Brian? Did you or did you kind of go in cold? You know, I was trying to think back on. Obviously, like I know that the, this is like a you know it's it's there. I know what it is. I'm aware of the original. I'm aware of the book, and I I guess I was aware of Perot. I mean, I, like it, but I I didn't have that. I don't know. I it was kind of like recollection through the process of watching the movie. Like I was like, oh right, okay, now I'm I'm now I'm with you. Now I kind of understand what we're doing here. And I was trying to think back. I'm like 90% sure that we were assigned to read this book at some point in high school and I definitely just watched the movie instead but I really didn't pay attention to the movie either so it's uh it occupies a weird space for me of like like kind of vague recollection and and knowledge about um what it was but I can't 
I don't know that I've ever read another Agatha Christie book kind of for the same thing. Richard is just like, I'm not against it. It's just like, Oh, it's just not something that ever really got into my, uh, my reading life. And, and then the movie, I don't really remember it. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing it was one of those, remember when you used to go to the library and rent VHSs every once in a while, or I don't know, probably DVDs for you guys, but for like English assignments, I was always trying to figure out what was at the library, um, on awesome VHS copies. And so I'm pretty sure I did that, but I, anyway, it, it was a, uh, so, you know, I kind of knew, I guess I knew where it was headed and who the, um, what the character was like and everything, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't very super common knowledge for me. And so I guess I wonder if there's other people who are in that same category. Um, but as it stands overall, yeah, I, I actually, I mean, I really, I really enjoyed it. I think it was, it's not a great movie. It's not something that's going to be like on my top 10 list at the end of the year, but um, to your point, Richie, we don't, you know, we don't really do this kind of, I feel like it's almost more enjoyable that it's not like, I feel like, yeah, yeah, totally. I always totally. see movies. I love, there's always that, that always exists every year. They're really great, mm-hmm. you know, pieces. And there's always movies that are, you know, crappy blockbusters, just the, Hey, that was a good movie. That ha- that's the rarest thing that happens when you, when we sure. see these movies. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, I'd love to see our, our, grades but i would say like the b's are probably like the least right yeah definitely uh, definitely we tend to go extremes one way or the other just just from the movies that we're reviewing you know each week to week and stuff so yeah it was it was a uh it was kind i I, it took me about 20 or 30 minutes to to settle in i guess and kind of figure out what the tone was and and what uh, what my white face paint was for (laughs) yeah i was waiting for the white face paint to pop up at some point (laughs) um but once I did, I was like, man, I, I pretty much enjoyed it. And again, it, yeah, same same as you, Richard. It was me and and like 120 octogenarians. I mean, I was like, I would I brought down the uh, the median age of the theater quite a bit. But uh, and I'm I'm old to begin with. But it was uh, no, it was I, I really I actually quite enjoyed it. And I and I felt like it was. I mean, it's it's very obviously a you know a throwback retro kind of movie and i i found that to be uh somewhat refreshing i feel like if this movie is most of the time if we get a movie like this in 2017 it's like it's rated r and there's there's some kind of major i don't know like sex plot that's involved you know like there's somebody got murdered for sex and it's just i don't know it this was <laughs> not that way and it was like oh, that's some kind of, of like 2017 adaptation of this it's not just like <laughs> yeah telling yeah, exactly. the story yeah 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 and and there's just like a real pulse pounding kind of soundtrack I, I don't know it was it it caught me off guard as to what soundtrack you know, by the chain smokers <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the uh, big sleep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh yeah, anyway, it was I, I like I said, I don't think this this is not like uh I'm not going to I'm not going to put it in the top 10. It's not going to win 27 Oscars or something, but having no very little familiarity with the original and then not having that kind of taint my viewing experience, I I I enjoyed this quite a bit and I'm I'm okay with getting if we want to have like one or two, three movies like this every year, whether it's this character and I don't really care about that, but just this style of movie, then I'm, I'm down with that. It's, it's nice. It's kind of a, it's different. Kent, how about you? 
Yeah, I'm with you guys. Um, there's definitely a place for these kinds of movies every year. Um, I got to admit, I'm a little let down in the fact that this movie is not going to be uh, mentioned later in the year as far as the awards go. Um, but it was an enjoyable experience for me. Uh, this really falls in a place between uh, movies I've really enjoyed watching this year and um, people that I'm really interested in and, and really root for and uh, the movies that I'm going to have on my top 10 list. So I'm pretty much where you guys lie in the fact that I really enjoyed this movie, um, was intrigued uh, uh, from a technical perspective, from a production perspective. I think uh, – they really kind of hit it on all marks here, but uh, mm. there was nothing really completely, uh, I guess, extraordinary about any of that. It was just all just really solid. I, and and uh, this is kind of the most subtle, solid movie of the year. Uh, just not too super flashy. Uh, it's not super, um, I don't know, begging for headlines as far as the performances go and, uh, and the subject matter, Brian, you kind of touched on that. It, it kind of really sticks to the source material and doesn't try to uh, overcomplicate things or, or uh, make any kind of political statement or, you know, make this into a satire for the kind of climate that we're living in in 2017. It really, uh, mm -hmm. it, it comments on it, but in the way that uh, I think the source material kind of means for it to well, comment, and it didn't. And really... Brenna looked ridiculous in that MAGA hat. <laughs> <laughs> Did he though? I mean, it kind of fit him pretty kinda well. Worked. I mean, it kind of kind of worked for me. I don't know about you, but uh, yeah, no, super big fan of Brenna. Really have liked what he's done in the past few years, specifically, and he's kind of um silently been one of the better directors uh over the past few years and uh so it was good to see him do this and and star in it cinderella was good that was weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. exactly yeah and thor right remember that yeah <laughs> so uh so i'm super respectful to him and uh what he's been able to do behind the camera and of course in front of the camera and and this is no different he 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 carried this movie in more ways than one. There were some great performances and, and people that, like I said, I root for and really admire that are involved in this. So um, I was I had high expectations for this, and I would say it, it, it's slightly under those, under the expectations that I had. Not to say that that's a bad thing, because uh, I would say it's probably met probably 8 out of 10 of the expectations that I had for the movie. So uh, that's mm -hmm. kind of my general thoughts on it. And uh, I guess we can start there and uh, talk about this plot. So, guys, uh, I knew nothing about the plot here. I was expecting a mystery. I was expecting uh, everything to kind of slowly unravel as we're on this train ride, as uh, we're kind of discovering things as our protagonist is discovering them. Uh, how did you guys feel about that? Um Richard, you mentioned that you had read the book and you knew the ending and the twist and all that. I had no idea where it was going, and so uh, I found myself guessing along the way and all that yeah. and kind of trying to I figure it out know. along the way. I uh, had no idea where it was going. So how did you feel knowing the end, really, that did this do a good job of kind of uh, not yeah. making it too obvious for you, I guess? No, yeah, it, it did, it, and so I'm I'm wrong on that apparently, and they and they probably handled it the right way. I just kind of thought like this was one of those endings um, 
that was just kind of even if you hadn't read it, it was just kind of in the zeitgeist and, and so like people just kind of knew it through osmosis of uh murder of the orient express this you know it and uh so i expected them to do a twist on the twist mm. you know like yeah. if you're remaking um i don't know if you're remaking uh Gone with the Wind or something like you might you or or Wizard of Oz in not the one awful one we did years ago but whatever you know <laughs> something everyone kind of knows the ending to even if kids hadn't seen it they just kind of know that Dorothy ends up back well maybe she you know she doesn't so uh, so I thought they'd twist on the twist but they didn't and that's obviously considering you two as my sample size didn't know how it ended I was wrong about that so they handled it the right way just kind of telling that original Agatha Christie story. Um, and we'll get into that shortly. Uh, but uh, so yeah, they handled it very well. It 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 really moved the plot along. You you were I can see being confused and and uh, and kind of the clue trying to figure out. Uh, so uh, certainly it's it, it was just really really well paced. This also was a, a good length for this type of movie too. It didn't, it didn't drag on too long either, but uh, I'll let you guys, cause you guys can speak to that more because I, I knew how, what was going to happen. It was kind of waiting for a uh, different, uh, different twist. Yeah. Beagle. Yeah, I was with it. It was, uh, I think you're right, Richard. It could have been, I could have maybe done with towards the end, maybe 10 minutes less. I think 10 minutes off the runtime, but that's, you know that's nothing compared every movie, to yeah. <laughs> yeah every movie that we've we've seen over the last uh, five years where uh, it's kind of a constant. Um, but I thought they I thought Brandon kept the uh, it's not really the action but kept the pace moving and um, and gave you enough. It really wasn't about I didn't think anyway maybe and maybe that's just the way my brain works. But it wasn't necessarily about me trying to solve the crime, which I think is typically the default for this kind of uh this kind of a story um i wasn't necessarily trying to figure it out and i didn't think the film was asking me to figure it out i felt like i was just watching this guy figure it out and i i like that i felt like it was a little bit of a that gave it a a unique quality and and also kind of just made it entertainment i'm just gonna sit back and enjoy this rather than i'm trying to guess where we're going and when that sort of thing starts to take place you you run the risk of if your movie's not written incredibly tight and really really well done then um you start to poke holes in it you start to mentally be like oh that doesn't work and that doesn't make sense and blah 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 and so um i you know i liked that i liked that that wasn't uh that wasn't the focus and i felt like Brandon did a great job of just every three minutes you know something popped up and so you're you're focusing in on he's doing his little investigation of this character and that's sort of running its course and bam something else has happened i've got to leave this uh, this room and head to the next and uh, oh bam something else happened it's I, it, it moves at, at, a, at a pretty lively pace and to me never got to a place where I was just like please stop please stop uh, this I don't care about this plot I don't care about this character or any of these things it just it moved right along and so I, I thought that that worked worked pretty well and and to your to answer your question again, I, I had no, I didn't really know where it was going. I after yeah. it it ended, I was like, yeah, okay, I kind of remember that. That's how the original ended in the background, but it wasn't. It certainly wasn't something that um, was taking up uh, or, or like ruining the experience for me, you know, or or anything like that. So um, I I yeah. thought it handled it pretty well. Cool. You mentioned the 
octogenarian crowd. The senior citizen. <laughs> Is that the crowd proper term? I don't even know anymore. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Trying to be respectful here. Um, and oh, I, I found myself <laughs> in the actual film kind of, you know, thinking about the tone that they were going for and, and uh, kind of just experiencing the film for itself. And I found it to be. And I don't know if this is a bad thing or if it's what they were going for. It kind of had a little bit of a PBS-y kind of mm-hmm. uh, yeah. uh, mystery science theater. Yeah. yeah, mystery science theater vibe to it. Is that what they were going for? Or is that just kind of the the culmination of what they got here? Like, is, is that the only way to go about this story? Does that make sense to you? Uh, it it, it yeah. found a little bit pretentious in a, in a weird sense. It, I hate to say that, but just kind of the language and the tone and the 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 properness of uh, of mm-hmm. what was going on here. Um, I found that to be maybe a little more in your face than I had wanted it to be. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can't because I haven't seen the original really or, or really remember it. I can't speak completely to that. And Richard, you probably can, but I I do think that was the point. I think that was the purpose mm-hmm. was the to kind of have that vibe to have the the like you said the PBS the Mystery Science Theater the uh, not Mystery Science Theater you know what I mean the uh, uh, Masterpiece Theater did I say Mystery Science Jesus right late. yeah uh, sorry yeah Masterpiece right. Theater yeah, we sorry uh, the thing, <laughs> it's super late just so the listener knows we were very it tired, is like but, past uh, midnight yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah that i think that was kind of the the vibe that that they were going for and i'll i'll tell you this it it worked well in the crowd that mm-hmm. uh that i saw it with and i'm assuming that similar that you i'd like the lady next to me you know i've i've talked about this before everybody complains about teenagers in a movie theater give me teenagers over olds every day of the week just because like <laughs> man just stop talking y'all like yeah, the old but this this crowd was much better than some of the sometimes i walk into a theater and i see that there's 700 people who are all over the age of 60 and i'm just like oh this is going to be miserable but uh this this time around it was it was a lot better but the lady on the ladies on both sides of me um were very much into the uh the masterpiece theater sort of uh vibe that we were getting and and <laughs> the lady to my right kept having it would this it was great it added to the ambiance it's not a complaint but she kept ha- <laughs> she kept doing this like little like the knowing laugh you know when you can tell somebody knows what's about to come or what this little aside is about she <laughs> oh like this little laugh that i i yeah. i enjoyed it it made my my experience uh, a little bit better but but yes, I think that's totally what what we were going for here. Awesome. All right, let's look into this cast a little bit because it is a star-studded affair uh, for Murder in the Orient Express this time around. I guess we'll start with the uh, last build on the first build cast, and that would be, believe it or not, Miss Daisy Ridley, uh, Star Wars' own Daisy Ridley, speaking of Star Wars. Uh, it's cool to see Daisy doing something that's not Star Wars. This is the first thing I've seen her in, mm-hmm. and I know she did a couple short films before doing The Force Awakens, but uh, cool to see her break out of that mold and, and doing something, honestly, the complete opposite of Star Wars. So, uh, Brian, I know you're a fan of hers. What did you think of her oh, yeah. in this? I, I love her, and I, I love her as Rey, and I, 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 I think she... 
I don't know if she's ever going to be a movie star. I don't think that really necessarily matters, but I, I like her presence on screen and she seems, um, she seems very squared away as a, as a human being, which I, I appreciate. Um, so yeah, it's, it's cool to see her doing something that's outside the realm of, of star Wars. And I felt like she, I mean, I, you know, there, there's not, there's no performance in this movie. That's just like, man, that was awesome. What a performance. Mark that down as an Oscar contender. Um, even Brannock, but I, you know, she, she flowed really well into the ensemble and uh, that I think bodes well for her career moving forward. I think so too. And uh, this is a step in the right direction for her. I don't think she's ever going to be able to totally break out of the star Wars mold just because of how big and popular that is and how iconic the character has become and all that. But uh, this is the right kind of choice for her to make uh, outside Mm -hmm. of that uh, umbrella that she's in. Um, We move on to the cast and we move up to Michelle Pfeiffer as Caroline Hubbard slash Linda Arden. Cool to see her again this year for the second time. We saw her earlier this year in Darren Aronofsky's mother briefly. Richard, Michelle Pfeiffer. Love Michelle Pfeiffer. I think she's not unlike Brad Pitt because she is and was so beautiful is sort of underrated in the, in her talent. Which is a great way to be underrated by someone says you are so stunningly gorgeous that I refuse to believe you're good at anything. But I've always yeah. I I've always uh, enjoyed enjoyed the Pfeiffer. So yeah, she's cool in this too. Good good kind of role for her, and it's always good to see uh, women over a certain age getting roles because that's that's rare. She's kind of, she's having kind of a little renaissance in the past couple of years. I, th- I think she's going to do some cool stuff and the next few, and it seems like she's back in the full swing of things, so that's cool to see. Uh, Richard, somebody else you might be familiar with in this cast, Leslie Odom Jr. of Hamilton fame. Yeah, yeah. Well, most, I, I've never heard of Hamilton, but I've, um, <laughs> I know, not familiar. I know him, know him I know Smash. him as, yeah. he's, he's the guy from the Nationwide commercials, right? Or, <laughs> right, yeah. He's, he's Sam, Sam Strickland in 2013 uh, musical television series smash so that's where i know uh, her mm, from. yeah mm, from sure. nbc yeah now i now yeah. i recognize him yeah mm-hmm. you might might know him from 2003's csi miami too if you're i know you brian were <laughs> you're an originalist wow. on csi miami yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. the only csi you were really into was the miami one it's really weird no, it's but just really the only one worth watching it looks like let me ask you this for the hamiltons <laughs> yeah wow do uh do any of the other CSIs have David Caruso in them? No. Okay. In Miami <laughs> is exactly. It's funny that that's the one that got like canceled. <laughs> I know, like, right? It's the only one that has anything to offer in terms yeah. of at least it has some ironic humor to it on accident. <laughs> it's like I can't make fun of uh, Mark Harmon or or CNCIS. I don't know. They're all the same. <laughs> Whatever. It's the same show. Uh, okay, moving on. Josh Gad appears as Hector McQueen in uh-huh. Murder on the Orient Express. Um, more of the same from him, I guess. I thought he would be more involved in this movie, honestly, or have more of a role than he ended up having. But uh, there's one kind of uh, climactic scene, important scene towards the middle end of the first act kind of a thing and uh you think that it's significant and one thing i will say about this movie and uh again going in blind and not knowing the story at all 
it really did a good job of trying to convince the audience or at least hinting at the possibility that everyone being investigated could have done it. And uh, Mm -hmm. it really left me guessing as far as uh, who the murderer was. Uh, It's a very simple plot when you come to think of it. It's this detective on this train, and then a murder happens, and he's trying to figure it out. And he considers himself the best detective in the world uh, for a lot of reasons. And um, the fact that he is having trouble figuring this out makes him feel inadequate. And so he's dealing with the inadequacy and uh, how can he possibly not figure something out on with so little people on such a small um, and it's such a small setting. And it, it, it um, a movie that came out, I guess, a couple of years ago at this point, Snowpiercer, kind of did mm-hmm. the same thing where it's uh, small quarters. It happens on a train. Something happens and uh, they kind of all have to figure it out together. And uh, I like the setting of the train and uh, it's just very cinematic. And this movie was begging for a modern day remake in terms of uh, what they can do with the setting and and uh, and the characters and everything. I just think mm-hmm. that uh, this is a really really cool story, and it reminds me of a lot of movies I grew up to. I love this the mystery. I love the Hitchcockian feel of it. I love um, the feel of remember Clue. Remember that movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, I think they're going to try to re bring that back or reboot that in some way. But uh, this was the, I guess, senior version of Clue, a little more intellectual <laughs> yeah. than that, sure. you know, it takes sure. itself a little more seriously than that. But uh, in all the right ways, in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Okay, there was some cool stuff that Branagh did directing this movie that I, I think he really did more than he had to in terms of how he shot this. There's a really cool tracking shot whenever uh, his character, Hercule Perot, uh, gets on the train and he's meeting all the people on the train and the tracking shot is shot from the outside of the train, but he's actually inside the train and he's going from car to car and meeting the people. And uh, I just love that shot. I don't know if you guys remember that specifically, but uh, yes. mm-hmm. it's just uh, one take where he's walking from basically the engine to the caboose and meeting people and talking to people along the way, and the camera is following him along the outside of the train. I just thought that was a really cool uh, sequence there and how he envisioned that and shot it and executed it. So anything else stick out to you guys in terms of how Branagh went about directing this? Was it uh, kind of by the books to you guys? Did he impress you, let you down? How do you feel about his job overall uh, behind the camera? Uh, he's he's technically a really really solid yeah. actor. He knows how to shoot things. He knows how to. He directs obviously as an actor performance really well. Um, he's able to put. He's able to take. You know, what a lot of audience would consider sort of dry subject matters and, uh, and uh, you know he's done it with he's done Shakespeare adaptations that were like people really enjoyed watching even people that weren't in the Shakespeare, uh, because he's able to put in these moments of kind of wit and whimsy, but not in a saccharine way. Uh, that's always that's always audi- he's able to audience please um, with a really high degree of difficulty. I, I think that's his mm. best uh, skill, and 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 uh, that's such a um, you know sometimes it's hard to define what does a director do. You know, is it just is it shot composition? Is it actor actor instruction? Well, it's kind of finding those. It's really moment chasing um, and really exploiting those moments. Uh, he does that really really well. 
and finds them uh, throughout these screenplays. But what about you, Brian? Yeah, I, you kind of touched on it earlier, Richard. All the stuff you said is is spot on. I he's interesting to me because uh, I think you look at kind of the last few movies he's done, and and some of them, I, you know, I don't know that he has a, a huge hit in there. Um, you know, Thor is a hit because of Thor, not necessarily. But my my point, the thing that I that I think is what I find interesting about him is that he is he really goes all out for movies that you probably don't have to go all out for. Um, you know, we, we give him a lot of credit because Thor is not only watchable, but it's really pretty good. And, but I, you know, that, that made that work. He made that work, but he really probably could have just mailed it in. Cinderella is the same thing. Cinderella probably would have been pretty successful, as a C plus movie. And instead it for us, like not really being the target audience, I think we all graded that out as like a B plus or an A minus or something. And, um, you know, the Jack Ryan movie is not great, but, um, Macbeth is kind of that way. It's all these movies that you could probably, you could probably slide in whatever the, like the, the most average director in the industry is, uh, whoever that, might be pick a name out of a hat and just say, okay, this guy's directing murder on the Orient express. And, and it's probably like, Oh, that that's, that's fine. It came out fine. And he takes fine and makes it maybe not great, but just the technical side of it and his attention to detail. And clearly this is, I'm going to say this is a, I would guess this is a passion project to him in some ways, but at the same time, I feel like he does that with almost every movie that he directs. Like he really takes, a lot of time and attention to detail and puts a lot of effort into something that he probably honestly, truthfully doesn't have to like, it would be very easy for him to say, I'm the star of this movie. My performance is really the only notable performance within the movie. And I'm, I would guess that it kind of looks that way on the script too. And so I'm, you know, I'm just going to let the first assistant director do a lot of this, you know, side work because I've got to work on my performance. And, and instead you get, I think a very technically proficient film that um, maybe in some ways isn't completely deserving of that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, and I, I, I always respect that about him. That's something that I've come to. I don't think I would have noticed about him uh, in the early, you know, in the mid nineties or something. It's just kind of come to my, come to my attention at least over the last few years. It's just like, man, that guy's really, it's sort of Tom Cruise. You know, we always talk about how Cruise just wants the audience to love him so badly. It's not, it's not that kind of thing, but because of his, uh, desire to have everybody love him, he just goes all out on every dumb movie that he's in. And that's, it's kind of the same thing as, uh, with Branagh behind, behind the camera. Yeah, do you think that this is just a case of him really wanting to play this character and do this movie and it's like, fine, I'll do it? Yeah, you know? sure. <laughs> or is this something that the studio was getting him to do and they really wanted to get this done and, and called upon him? It really kind of seems like a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. But I really, I can't imagine anyone in the lead role of Perot with uh, other than him. Maybe I thought about Ralph Fiennes a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. just because it reminded me a bit of. Uh, what is the Grand Budapest Hotel? Grand Budapest, yeah. yeah. Just the the just the nuance of the character and kind of the mannerisms, but uh, that's really the only comparison that I made to this. I really liked what he brought um, in front of the camera as well as behind it. Uh, so rounding out the cast here, just a few more to to name. Uh, 
I don't not familiar with this guy, Jonathan Deep. <laughs> John Deep as Samuel Ratchet. Um uh, Oh, it's Depp. Johnny John Depp. There you go. Now it makes Johnny sense. Depp. Um as Samuel Ratchet slash John Cassetti. And this honestly, I hate to say this, but for a little bit before he before Perot actually gets on the train, I got a little bit of a Mordecai vibe from from this. <laughs> and then Johnny Depp shows up and I'm like, oh gosh. What is this a Mordecai crossover of some kind? He's I'm pretty sure he's in the same costume, same mustache, and uh, I just brought him right off the set. Right, exactly, exactly. And uh, so that was, I guess, spoilers. Different scarf, different uh, scarf, though. I mean, Johnny's not in this for that long, yeah. So silver lining, but uh, <laughs> I don't know why he. I mean, I could, I could have been anybody, I guess. So I don't know how to get John sure. Depp for that. I, I but, would but. I would guess that either he has an affinity for the original, or Kenneth Branagh said, "Hey, hey, man, I would love for you to play this role or something." And and also, odds are Johnny Depp actually owns that train. So like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, for a little while stupid. longer, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say so that. <laughs> right. That Side note of that is they, like he. He really needs the money. So whatever yeah. roles he can get, uh, I think. But you know what? It was he was fun. It's fun to see Johnny Depp not be some iteration of Jack Sparrow. I feel like right. like I don't I don't ever there's never I don't think there's ever going to be a time where I'm excited for a Johnny Depp led movie. But as part of an ensemble, as you know, as a supporting cast member, I think he he could still have a place. It's just a matter of um, how do we choose those roles and how much screen time does he have to take and how many barrels of white face paint does he go through and all these sorts of things that right. dictate how we're going to feel about that i think and also we have in the cast dame judy dench as princess dragomorov i guess i'm saying that correctly and we sure. also have willem dafoe who i know you guys love such a, <laughs> such a weird choice yeah but he on his part seems so out of out of uh, out of character, but good for him. It was fun to see him in something like this. And weird Nordic <laughs> tribal Nordic snuff film. Tribal yeah. Nordic yeah. snuff film. I'd love to see that if it ever. Comes Wouldn't to you see Willem Dafoe in that though? Like, come on, that's exactly yeah, yeah. the type of movie that yeah. he would do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see that it's from weird. the director so of Unsk. <laughs> We're just looking at the poster of this. I'm like, I got a feeling that William Defoe did it. I don't know why. I just feel like he murdered somebody somewhere along the line. In making How creepy this was the murder? Pretty yeah. creepy. Oh, okay. It was definitely Defoe. I don't know. Is Crispin Glover in this too? Could have been him. It was definitely one of those two. Exactly. Johnny Depp has had multiple people killed over the years, so I uh, got to give him some of the some of the benefit there. Uh, also, in the cast, rounding it out, Penelope Cruz, Cruz, Penelope Cruz as Pilar Estrelados. Yeah, say what? She's she's contractually obligated to be in every Johnny Depp movie. I think now. <laughs> she, yeah, she was in Pirates and this, and love to see her Mission Impossible. Can't can't wait for that. Uh, so I guess we should move on to the end. Like I said, uh, this, it does a good job. Uh, so the murder happens, uh, something that happened along the way too, that I kind of 
liked as well is that the fact that the train gets derailed and it's kind of stagnant for most of the film and it, it enhances that feeling of claustrophobia even more. The fact that there not only is the train not moving, but it's off the tracks and it's freezing by the second and uh, something, I mean, they could all die there really until uh, they get it up and working. So I liked that fact, but uh, the film does a good job again of going into each of these characters lives, giving you a little bit of their background, making you think or giving you a reason why or a motivation why they could have committed the murder. And uh, Branagh's character Perot is going through all these too. I mean, he considers himself the best in the world. So he's being very frustrated in the fact that he can't figure this out uh, in a timely manner. And uh, I enjoyed that. So, Let's move on and talk a little bit about the end. So spoilers coming up. If you haven't read the book, if you haven't seen the movie, if you haven't seen the original, uh, we'll go to spoilers. Uh, I mean, honestly, guys, I wished that this had ended with somebody did it and this is why they did it. And that's in. That's it. I found it a bit misleading. And I know you. we call it a twist and all that. I found it a bit misleading and frustrating that... Um, I guess it technically was somebody on the train, but I found it kind of misleading that, oh, it wasn't one person. It was multiple people conspiring and everybody was behind it. I just like, come on, like, can't it just be one person? Can't, can't we just solve the mystery and, and move on? I, I, I just, I felt it was a little bit of a cop out to say, is it A, B, C, or D or neither of them? You know, <laughs> I, I just, oh, I mean, a little frustrated, but. I didn't see it coming. I'll say that. So what did you guys think about uh, the reveal? Well, I knew it was coming. So when it, once yeah. they revealed it, uh, I was kind of like I said, waiting on. So I'll, I'll be brief, just waiting on maybe another tweak on that. But uh, mm. but yeah, so I kind of, you know, it's going to be all of them in, in, a, in a way. But uh, but Brian, what about you? What, what did you think about it? You know, I, I knew by the time, I don't know, a few minutes before we really get the reveal, I, whether I remembered it or I put it together or whatever, is like, oh, right, okay, all 12 of these people, um, conspired to commit this murder and, uh, and for all these various reasons. One of the things that I think worked well as far as keeping you from getting to that point was keeping a couple of these characters kind of in reserve and you, to the point that you almost forgot about them. And then, and I'm talking about the, uh, the 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 drug marin whatever the uh the royals um not drug whatever the the dancer and his wife kind of pulling them out you know maybe 15 minutes before the reveal um kind of threw a maybe a little bit of a monkey wrench in it of like oh i didn't i kind of forgot that these people were even here and now i was focusing yep. on them for a few minutes and so i thought that was relatively effective but yes once we get to the point of they're all sitting at a table together and uh and perot is walking up on them i was like all right okay all of them did this this is this is an every this is an everybody situation yeah i i, w- I wouldn't necessarily say i was disappointed but I just wanted to know for for certain. I guess uh, at the end of the day, you can say that uh, it's Hubbard or Michelle Fiverr's character that's really kind of the person that is behind it all, but mm. for good reason, and she has these people involved. One question that I had is that she mentions that she made good with the person that books the train, right? And the fact that she got all these people on together mm. and... uh at the same time as the person that they were trying to get rid of. 
uh, why the fact that <laughs> they book all these people? And if she does know the, the booking person, why did they book all the people that are going to commit the murder and then one detective? I don't understand, like, why the only other person on the train was the world's greatest <laughs> detective. It doesn't seem like a great scenario to commit he, this crime. <laughs> well, he got added on at the last okay. second. So yeah, I think true, that was I the whole deal true. is that yeah. he there was supposed to be somebody else. And I I don't know if they ever tied up. I don't know if they ever tied up what that person's involvement was supposed to be. But he got that some like a Mr. Harris, I think is what they said, got bumped at the mm-hmm. last minute for uh for Perot. So I think that was that was the deal there. There was a powerful scene, the scene of the actual reveal where they're actually off the train and they're in the tunnel and they're all lined up like the last supper style and he's confronting them and telling them what happened and and who committed it and why and how what he's figured out. I thought that was a really cool setup, uh-huh. powerful scene yeah. and uh one of the better uh dialogue moments of the year. And Perot's begging them to kill him. You know, uh, I thought mm-hmm. that was powerful too as a character building moment for for Perot, and of course, uh, Hubbard grabs the gun and tries to off herself, but uh, without success. And the gun clicks, and that's always a dramatic moment when mm-hmm. that happens. So I liked yeah. uh, how that whole setup was and all that uh, towards sure. the end. So they get the uh, car on the rails and they drive to their destination, and I guess. Uh, Perot says, I'll just go, I'll just tell the cops my story of it was somebody who, somebody committed the murder and they fled and they're gone and that's it. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't really convict anyone. And, uh, honestly, the way, uh, this is the last thing I'll say, I'll let you guys get your closing thoughts in here before we wrap it up. But, um, I thought a great ending would have been Perot leaving the train saying what he said, all right, I'm not going to tell anyone, we'll call it even, whatever, we're done, and walking off the train, and when the cabbie comes and tells him, hey, we've got you booked for this next case, we need you immediately, we're leaving now, for him to say, I'm not coming, and to use this incident as an excuse to retire. I thought that's where Mm -hmm. it was going, like he was going to be done, and he was going to wash his hands of it, and this was his the proof that he didn't have it all figured out, that he wasn't as great as he thought he was and that he just mm. wanted to live his life. That's what I thought instead of like, all right, on to my next case. And I, yes. that's kind of how it ended. But I thought it would have been a much more poignant and powerful ending had he hung up the uh, the detective hat after mm. this mm. case. That's what I thought was happening. Yeah, I kind of left it open-ended for potential franchise sort of treatment. I, I don't know that this is going to make enough to make that a reality but mm-hmm. that neck the what they're referencing there i think is death on the nile um which is one of the more mm-hmm. one of the other well-known perot books and so yeah the audience maybe, gave a little laugh gasp whenever they yeah yeah the lady was, next yeah. to me was super into that bit mm-hmm. so um yeah i think i think that maybe that's the whole deal is it, it you know if this makes enough money and it it could uh it's only it's probably going to make 25 or 30 million dollars this weekend here and it only had i think a 55 million dollar budget so it wouldn't take a lot for it to be successful enough to say yeah we can come back in a couple of years and do another one of these and 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 I'm I'd kind of be up for that. I think it's I it's a 
you know, like I said at the outset, it's if you want to do a couple movies like this every year, then I'm I'm there for it. It's 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 kind of yep. cool. It's it's reminds me of of old school type uh, cinema, which is which is cool. Richard, I have a question for you because since you've read slash seen this book, was in the original. So like the whole bit with uh, with Johnny Depp's character. Mm-hmm. In the Armstrong family, like clearly that's supposed to be a stand-in for the Lindberghs and everything. Is that in the original? Yeah. Maybe you, maybe you don't remember. Was that the? I did don't. They I use Lindbergh yeah. or did she I don't just? Know. Okay, cool. Don't know. I, that was yeah, an inter- I just thought that was interesting. That yeah, I mean, it's very clearly an allusion to what happened with with Charles Lindbergh and his family. And so I just I was. Feel I wonder free if those was, who have uh, read it more recently yeah, than the, twenty Adams, years ago. Yeah. Please. Uh, Please shoot us an email, mad, uh, sure. mad about movies podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, but that's no, that's a great point. I just I, I don't know the answer to it, like most things. <laughs> <laughs> All good. All good. You're forgiven. Uh, I'm going to give closing thoughts. Uh, I think you guys said it. I mean, they don't make these movies often. This seems kind of a one off, cool change of pace for this year. And although I wish this would have been a. A plus 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 because I think it had the people involved and the the, the subject matter involved to be that. Um, it just was a little more by the books than I had expected or wanted it to be. So it's a little let down from there, but I still enjoyed myself and I'm going to give this a positive review at the end of the day. So how do, how would you guys summarize your thoughts on uh, this one, Brian? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. It's like it's nothing particularly fantastic or great or whatever you want to say, but. I I enjoyed myself. I had fun with it. It felt like uh, it felt like kind of a not necessarily nostalgia driven, which was cool, but it it did have that throwback feel to it, and uh, and I and I liked it. I had a I had a good time with it. And uh, if you want to make a sequel of this, great. If you want to do three or four of these kind of movies every year, great. I'm I'm with it. And and Branagh's always always solid, so I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Richard, final thought. Uh. Yeah, no, I'm. I've, I have a hard time imagining this will be a series, but sure. uh, but if it is, that's awesome. But just the, the, those kind of things don't happen anymore. But uh, you know, it's a great use of Brandon. I thought cool type of thing for him to to, to attack. Fun cast. Um, good good release weekend. Smart release weekend. Uh, all of it really was was really well executed. I hope hope that it does. But yeah, though no, this is a solid. This is just a good fun movie. Uh, and a very easy movie to recommend to heart almost anyone. Like you know, it's like yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. have to think about this. Like you'll like this. I promise you'll be fine with it. So, uh, so uh, yeah, no, it's, it's very solid. I agree. I'm gonna grade this out at a B plus. Uh, a little bit removed from the A status, from the A minus. Um, but I think a B plus is a solid fair grade for this movie. And again, I yeah, you can recommend it to your parents, grandparents, sister, brother, friend, and I think they'll all find something to enjoy. So B plus for me, Brian. Same for me, B plus. Richard, how about you? I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go B plus as well. Nice. Cool. Look at that. Look at that. Synergy. So, Murder on the Orient Express is now playing. Find uh, your seats now because there will probably be. Uh, Somebody there to take it if it's before 4 p.m. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. They're over the age of 60 and they're not right. getting up. Yeah. Go to so. a, go to a 6 p.m. and you should be good. Nobody will be in there. <laughs> All right. 
So let's move on they're all, today. We're all finished up at Luby's by that point. <laughs> exactly. The the Luan platter goes half price, so <laughs> you're you're gonna be good. All right. So let's move on and hit a recommend. Weekly recommends. Okay, I'm going to recommend for this week a documentary that just found its way to Netflix. Uh, I've seen it multiple times in the past and really, really enjoy it. Um, it comes from our friend of the show, Mr. Jerry Seinfeld. It's called Comedian, and he released this back in oh, 2002. Yeah. This yeah, is one of the, this is a uh, one of the, my favorite things he's ever done, and it's an inside look at how he prepares to go on the road, how he prepares his stand-up routine, and just the c- kind of pressure that he puts himself under as a comedian. It's less about uh, it's less of a stand-up special and more of a behind-the-scenes look on his day-to-day life and travels and things like that and how much pressure he honestly puts on himself to be funny and not a lot of people think about the fact that you know a Chris Rock or a Dave Chappelle or a Jerry Seinfeld can go on stage and be funny for an hour and a half and Jerry touches on the mental toll that it puts on somebody the pressure that they feel to be funny the fact that if they you know sell out a 10,000 seat room and go up there and they're not funny it could ruin everything you know, and so uh, he really talks about that a lot. It's a really informative, insightful documentary, and holds up really well. Fifteen years later, it's Jerry Seinfeld, comedian, and it's now on Netflix. That's my recommend. Um, Richard or Brian, whatever, whoever's ready. You go ahead, Brian. So I'm gonna. Re- I, by the way, comedian's great. Yeah, great. good stuff. Uh, I'm glad that's on Netflix. I haven't seen it in a long time. I'm gonna have to check that out again. Uh, I'm gonna recommend a movie that uh, came out earlier this year. I think in like August, and it's on. I think it was this. It was released by or distributed by or whatever Amazon. So it's already on Amazon. It's called The Wall with, uh, with Donald Trump. Uh, Aaron- <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> it's it's a great great little documentary. Um, <laughs> it's got a. Uh, got aaron taylor johnson and i know you guys will like this it's got john oh, cena john cena yeah yeah, yeah oh, the yeah, two man about little, this. yeah it's like a uh wwe picture or something really something like that be. yeah yeah i think, it I, think is, yeah. I think you're it's right like so first, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so i watched this last night when i was getting some work done and it's, it's only got three people in the whole movie and it's about a, a sniper and his uh spotter in uh in iraq and then they encounter an, an Iraqi sniper, and uh, it's it's directed by Doug Lyman, who's done some movies that we've liked in the past, yeah. Live Die Repeat and Born Identity and stuff. It's not it, like Swingers. this isn't a right exactly. It's not a great movie, but it's interesting and it it has a, a fun twist to it, and uh, and both of the the leads are are enjoyable and uh, yeah, I, I, it's a it's one like of them, an easy watch. Yeah. Right, American Honestly. Treasure, John Cena. for sure. Wow, uh, but see, you can't see him. So how'd you watch the movie? <laughs> That's part of the fun. It's just this weird blob on the screen. You can't really see what's going on. They're trying to snipe him, and he just keeps holding up that little like washcloth, <laughs> neon washcloth. <laughs> Makes you the see me. very angry. Yeah. Just can't figure out. Yeah, it's like it's less than an hour and a half long. It's a pretty quick watch, and it has a it's got a fun fun little twist to it. So you, was, you uh, can check that out. Was Cena? I, Cena was good at it though because he's he's proven he's a great supporting comedic actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't so want to give he, anything okay away. In a drama. Yeah, yeah, he was he was he was fine. He's not the main focus. Of no, the I know that. I know it's Aaron Taylor yeah. Johnson. I was just but but yeah, yeah. Uh, but he he could he do that. Good. He did a good job. Yeah, it was fun. 
I, you know, I'm Team Cena. I don't care yeah. at all about this WWE that you guys keep talking about that I've never experienced. But uh, it's he he's fun. I'm 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 all all on board for him for sure. Yeah, it says here there's two people in the cast. Is what it says. Is that re- is that right? Is there only two people? Yeah, there's, that a, there's a third guy who you only hear his voice. Yeah, there's never, a voice. Never it says here, Brian. This is an Amazon Studios production. Um, mm-hmm. It was announced in 2014, but uh, budget only three million dollars for this movie. Yeah, is that, that's yeah. awesome. It's I love seeing kind that. of it. This is interesting. It's kind of like a play. It. I mean, everything takes place. Mm-hmm in one uh it's not a room but that kind of thing like it's one 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 place and there's no scene shifts or or changes or anything like that it's it's all in one location and so yes i I can totally see how it was three million dollars and could have been shot in two days you know cool it's 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 fun i'll have to check it out the wall now playing on amazon uh that's a good recommend uh richard what's your recommend yeah, mine's simple. I've you know we did some episodes earlier in the week. I've ingested no media since then because I've been uh, I have celebrating my birthday and working and all that good stuff. So uh, I'm just the only thing I I'm become that old guy now. Pretty much all I do now, if I want to watch TV, is I just watch old Seinfeld. So I'm going to recommend Seinfeld. Your comedian uh, thing triggered that, Kent. So just if you haven't seen Seinfeld, they're all on Hulu. Hulu also has for like an extra two bucks a month. This is a recommend. The no commercials version so you can pound out three seinfelds in an hour it's pretty awesome i need to look into that how much more is it like two two bucks a month it's like two bucks yeah i think instead of 9.99 it's 11.99 it's if you want to do a binge it's worth it yeah might be worth it just to save the time cool exactly yeah man seinfeld holds up so well and curb has been so solid this season if you haven't caught up with curb on season nine they released a uh, episode last week called the accidental text on purpose that's incredible and very poignant nowadays and and larry does a bit where and we touched on it uh i guess last week when what makes larry david so funny is that he comments on his own life and things that he experiences and he has this bit on curb where he can't sit in first class so he has to sit in coach and it's just all the annoying things people do (laughs) in on an airplane and when you sit in coach and it's about three and a half minutes of just pure, hilarious physical <laughs> comedy. And I uh, love that stuff, uh, those kind of things that they point out. Uh, good stuff. And, man, yeah, Seinfeld, good recommend. Good recommend all around. Thanks. All right. This has been fun. Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, maybe I'll have to read the book at this point, And uh, maybe that'll enlighten me a little bit more. But I enjoyed the movie. Enjoyed being here with you guys. Enjoyed talking Star Wars. And... Uh, hope you guys have a good week and until next week where can i find you brian online you can find me on the twitter at bgill12 you can find my writing at the mad about movies podcast.com and the mad about movies podcast newsletter richard where can i find you you can find me on those two things as well as on social media uh at richard barton kent where can i find you you can find me on the twitter at kent garrison at Kent Garrison on Snapchat, Instagram, and find our show, Mad About Movies, on iTunes. Please subscribe, leave us five stars, and join the VIP club if you want more bonus episodes. It only starts at a dollar a week for weekly bonus episodes and fun extra content over there. It's on our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And until next week, 
We will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegged. I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.